I saw a beautiful act of <coughs> generosity yesterday. <clears throat> My local shopping centre is uh, Tunstall Square in Donvale and uh, Christmas is coming and there was a little fellow, probably under 10 years old, out the front um, playing a violin, playing it not that well, I might say. Um, a few false starts. But uh, people were putting 20 cents or a dollar into his thing and an older man, um, about my age, walked up to him <laughs> and uh, he dropped the coin and it sort of dropped on the ground so he had to bend down and pick it up and he put it in his violin case and then as he's uh, going past, he pulls $20 out of his pocket and he gives it to the little boy and says, put this in your pocket, son. And uh, the little kid, he was just unbelievably <laughs> touched. He's, oh, thank you, thank you so, so much. I don't think he'd had a, a $20 before. We live in a uh, consumer world, don't we? And I think this is one of the great challenges of uh, the world we live in. Sorry, going the wrong way. Um, you just need to look at the ads. And these are just ads for, for soft drinks. But um, Pepsi... So if you, your life depends on it. It's sort of extreme, isn't it? And Gatorade, you too can be like Mike. I guess that's Michael Jordan. Now, if I drink Gatorade, that's the only li- only similarity between me and Mike would be the fact that we're drinking the same drink. Um, and yet I think it's advertised as if drink this stuff and you'll be like Mike. Um, jump like Mike. All that like Mike. A- an advertising person, Morris Height, said this, next to Christianity... Advertising is the greatest force in the world. And I say that without sacrilege or disrespect. Advertising makes people discontented. It makes them want things they don't have. Without discontent, there's no progress and no achievement. What, a, what an amazing quote. And it's, there's some truth in that, isn't there? And we are confronted every day with a consumer world. Alaska, it's beyond your dreams, but it's within your reach. We can... Get a TV that's actually so good that we don't even go to, need to go to Alaska or anywhere because actually through that TV, the, the reality of the picture is so good, you might as well be there. It's, it's tempting, isn't it? Or we can have a car, the latest car, a car that almost drives itself. It will soon. And uh, all these things are, are put in front of us to tempt us and to make us feel dissatisfied with what we have. I don't know about you, but have you ever ever bought anything that you didn't really need? <laughs> Those of you who've been here before would realise that I have a, uh, I love that middle aisle in Aldi. And um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but have you got one of these? <laughs> now, some of you might have a manual one of these, but this is an automated one. This is a corking gun, but it... Like that. You can actually cork like that without actually going like this with your hand. (laughs) Now, I I think it's a beautiful thing. I've never used it. (laughs) I hate hate corking. I absolutely hate corking. (laughs) And if you wanted somebody to see it do a mess with corking, it's me. But I've got one of those. The other thing, see, these all run off the same battery pack. So if you've got the battery pack you can get a myriad of useful tools another thing I've got in this bag again you can see that it's not been used because I haven't actually opened the box but I bought this it was so cheap like if, if they haven't sold if they haven't sold and they're on the, on the counter still after about two weeks the price is about half the price Oop, upside down this is a um, cordless spray gun skin it's a skin because you need to put the battery with it I think I got this for $14.95 isn't that a bargain? 
and I could spray with that. Yeah, I've already got a spray, but it has to have a cord. I've already got one, but I saw this and I thought, that is so good. You see, <laughs> this, is the, this is the trouble with our consumer world, isn't it? I can't go down that middle aisle without being tempted to do uh, some stupid things, things I don't really need. <laughs> if anybody would like to borrow any of these things any time, you're welcome. This is a quote from a guy back in 1955, so 63 years ago, and uh, he says, Our enormously productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction and our ego satisfaction in consumption. We need things consumed, burned up, worn out, replaced and discarded at an ever-increasing rate. He was writing that 63 years ago. I don't wonder what he would think today. And so that's the sort of world we live in. And uh, it's a challenging world to live in in many ways. It's as if our shopping centres have become our, our temples, our places of worship, and we worship the God of consumption. Now, by, by way of contrast, as I was reading this week, I read a, uh, a beautiful story uh, by an American author by the name of Bob Perks. And uh, he'd been in an airport and he'd watched a very touching... Uh, Situation where a, a father was clearly saying goodbye to his daughter and it appeared that it was for the last time. And they'd announced the departure of the plane and they were having their final goodbyes. And he said to her, I love you, darling, and I wish you enough. I wish you enough. And um, she in turn said, Daddy, our life together has been more than enough. Your love is all I've ever needed. And um, I wish you enough too, Daddy. And then she went. And uh, this Bob Perks was there and he didn't want to inter- interrupt but the guy actually offered um, to start a conversation and he said to him, did you ever say goodbye to someone knowing it would be forever? And the conversation went on and they uh, conversed a bit about that and uh, Bob says to him, forgive me for asking but why is this a forever goodbye? And the guy explained that he was old and uh, that his daughter lived so, so far away that it was very unlikely that they would meet again and he had some health challenges and he said the reality is the next trip back is probably going to be for my funeral and uh, so Bob Perk says well when, I, when you were saying goodbye I noticed you say I wish you enough what's, what's that about and uh, the guy says oh that's a wish that's been handed down from generation to generation in my family and uh, when we said I wish you enough we were, we were wanting the other person to have a life filled with just enough good things to sustain them. And then he shared um, the following, and some of you might have seen this, and he shared this from memory. And uh, if I got this going, yes. I wish you enough, enough sun to keep your attitude bright. I wish you enough rain to appreciate the sun more. I wish you enough happiness to keep your spirit alive. I wish you enough pain so the, the smallest joys in life appear much bigger. I wish you enough gain to satisfy your wanting. I wish you enough loss to appreciate all that you possess and I wish you enough hellos to get you through the final goodbye. You know, that sort of story, it resonates with me because I think it provides such a contrast to the the more, more, more attitude uh, of our consumer world. It's the sort of attitude that made Jesus a game changer when he walked this earth. And it's the sort of attitude the Bible encourages the follower of Jesus towards. Here are just some of the words of Jesus. He said things like, guard against every kind of greed. 
life is not measured by how much you own. He said, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and he'll give you everything you need. He said, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the persons of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. And wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know, I think when we come to speak in, a, in a, a gathering like this about generosity, it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because we live in an incredibly affluent country and all of us are probably in a different situation. Um, but I think it, there's a sense in which we need to redefine need. When we live in Australia, we probably have a vision of the good life and it's very easy for us to compare ourselves with the people around us and we can feel okay about ourselves and how we're doing as long as we're able to consume at near the same level as the people that we we mix with. And so we we tend to confuse the cost of living uh, with the cost of a lifestyle. That's my grandson, didn't want to hear me. But there's a sense in which there's a relative need. We have this this way of weighing up whether we're doing okay by how we're comparing with others. And the other extreme to that is the, the idea of a survival need. Do we no, only need enough, you know, if I have enough food and shelter and clothing, then I should be satisfied? And I think the reality is no, we don't need to be satisfied with just that. We're physical beings, but we're people who need to function in community, and there's all sorts of things that make up a, uh, a community and so we have needs beyond our basic survival needs don't we and so we we can uh, justify doing all sorts of things um, but often the, those justifications are, are, are perfectly good because the need makes a big difference to the way we operate in our community but I think the big question for each of us to answer is how much is enough when is enough enough I wonder if you've ever asked yourself that sort of question. What is sufficient? What is enough for me to live the kind of life that God calls me to? You see, consumerism's view of prosperity is that I need to accumulate more and consume more all the time. And the Bible's view of prosperity is living in a community where everyone has sufficient to sustain their bodies, to enjoy the beauty of the earth around them, and to participate in the life of the community and to worship their creator. And so our challenge, if we're going to practice generosity, is to honestly ask ourselves, what is sufficient for myself and for my family to be sustained physically, to be nourished mentally and emotionally, and to participate meaningfully in the life of the community that I'm a part of? And so I wonder what it looks like for you uh, before you make big spending decisions in your life. I wonder whether we need to get to the point where we ask ourselves some really important questions, like questions like, will this purchase really help our family to live the way that God intends? Or is what we've already got enough, sufficient? Will this outlay of money really contribute to me loving God, loving my neighbour and enjoying the beauty and abundance of the earth or is what I already have adequate enough 
These are very personal questions. They're not questions you ask of someone else. They're the questions you ask of yourself. But how good it is as a church to be able to celebrate generosity rather than to celebrate consumption. And we've celebrated some generous things this morning. In the Old Testament, there was an old Jewish principle, and I love it. It was this, when you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord. There was provision for the people who were not so well off to be able to gather around the edges of the field. The idea that nobody would go without. Sure, some were better off. Some had the land and had the harvest, but others were able to glean from the edges. Paul um, reiterates a similar principle. He says to um, the Corinthian Christians, he says, Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving, of generosity. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you're hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. This sense that in a community, there should be enough to go around. And uh, I believe we live in a world where there is enough to go around and yet we see incredible um, differences in wealth. And I believe that um, when God looks at this, he would see it as grotesque to see the, the differences that uh, exist in our world. To cap that off, Jesus was generous beyond measure. In the context of that last passage about sharing, Paul reminds them that they know the grace, the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. You see, Jesus was the one who had everything with God. He enjoyed everything as equal with God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He became in the likeness of of, of flesh, man. And being found as a man, he humbles himself and becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. And it's through that death through the the poverty that Jesus went through that it's possible for us to enjoy the richness of relationship with God, the richness of life with him forever. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. I want to just finish today with some really hopefully some practical suggestions about generosity. I've been reading this book called The End of Greed by Scott Higgins. You might know Troy and Yvonne went up to this Converge conference in Canberra where they lobbied politicians about key issues. And one of those people who was heading that up was a guy called Scott Higgins. And he's written this book. He works for Baptist World Aid. But these are some of the questions he suggests we should ask and uh, that would help us to be generous. And the first is, ask if you need it. See, I, I could learn from this. Um, when, you, when you're going to make any purchase, significant or not so significant, ask yourself, do I need it? Do I really need it? Is what I already have sufficient for the task? Now, the challenge in this would be, say, for example, I, I, I look at my television and I think it's a bit average. It's only, you know, 42 inches and I really need a 65-inch one. Um, but then I'll look at my TV and say, actually, it's okay. It's okay. 
but I actually was prepared to spend $800 on a 65-inch one. Ooh, so there's $800 that I, I sort of had, wasn't there? Um, what if I thought about giving that $800 away? We actually don't think like that, do we? But the reality is I could have afforded it. I, it was going through my head that I could buy it. And then I realised that I actually didn't need it. I wonder if that's a little practice that you could think about. Ask if you need it. And if there's something that comes up that you think, okay, I, I don't really need that, but I've got the money, what will I do with that money? How will I give it away? Second one is give up in order to give away. I've been challenged about this this week. Um, I wonder if you could identify one thing in your life that you regularly spend money on. I know I spend far, far too much money on coffee. If I worked it out, I could give away $100 a month if I gave up one coffee a day. You think about that. If you're paying $3.50 a coffee and you do 30 of them in a month, it's the sums add up, don't they? That would be a simple thing. I also um, I subscribe to The Age online so that I get The Age on my iPad. I hardly ever read it. You know, the only reason I subscribe to it is I like the crosswords. <laughs> and they're really good because if you're, not, if, you have, if you're struggling, you get a clue. Um, you can put as many letters as you like in and it all comes up good in the end. But I pay... 25 bucks or something a month for the age and it's a, it's a simple pleasure and I'm not saying it's wrong but I could probably do without that and that's freed up another 25. I, I, I could keep thinking, I think I could free up a bit more. So there's 125 that I could be giving away if I just made some simple, simple changes. So give up in order to give away. Next one is set an income limit and give away everything above it. Now, I've read about some, some uh, amazing business people who have been able to do this, who have said, OK, we've decided that this is enough. And after this, if I earn more uh, than this, it's all going to be given away. And uh, I wonder if we can do that even if we're just on a salary. Work out for ourselves, OK, what is a reasonable level to live at? And then uh, give away. Uh, Scott Higgins in his book suggests that if we... In the year 2000, if we'd been happy with our standard of living in the year 2000 and said, yes, this is, this is an acceptable standard of living, I'm happy to live with this in an ongoing way, between the year 2000 and the year 2011, uh, consumption spending increased by 20%. But if we'd been prepared to say that in 2000 we're OK with that, we'd have had 20% more to give away. And yet our world drives us to, to keep spending all the stuff we get, doesn't it? There's a challenge there, isn't there? And then the other, the final thing I want to say is give regularly and increase incrementally every year. One of the best ways to practice generosity is to get into the habit of giving regularly. Um, and so if you give to the church or if you sponsor a child and it comes straight out of your bank account, it's so easy, you hardly miss it, and uh, it's, it's regular. You give a lot more if you give like that. Finally... If you really struggle with money and how to work it out, we run a course called the Cap Money Course. See me about it afterwards. It's really good. It teaches you how to budget, teaches your money system that uh, really will help you get your finances in control. We've got a Christmas appeal coming up. We're going to f- launch it next week, but it's an amazing opportunity to give generously. At a time when we spend a whole lot of money on ourselves often, uh, we're going to try to raise 45000 for a, an, a, an appeal target in Laos. And then, as Yvonne said, check out the generosity videos online and have a look at the generosity brochure. You know, as I close, I just want to remind you of what the guy said on the video. It's about our heart, uh, where our treasure is. 
Um, that's where our heart, is, heart will be. So if our treasure is money, our heart's going to be chasing after money. If our treasure is God, we'll be chasing after him. There's a beautiful verse in the book of Proverbs that says, uh, and I think we can identify with this, Give me neither poverty nor riches, it's a prayer. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I go, grow rich, I may deny you, God, and say, what, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I might steal and insult God's holy name. May God help us to uh, be generous people as we go into 2019. Thanks, Steve.